Hello, this is Elizabeth Copeland, and welcome to the Grief Dialogues podcast, better known as Grief Bursts. Today I'm with Flory Minot, who is one of the authors in our book, Just a Little More Time. Flory is going to read her piece from the book called Coming Home. Thank you, Flory, for joining us today. Oh, you're welcome, Elizabeth. You're going to have a great around-the-world trip when you scatter my ashes, my husband Chuck used to joke, back when those words were a joke. Being 13 years older than I, Chuck always assumed he would go first. Where do you want me to take you? I would tease back. Ireland, Squirrel Island, and Akaroa, of course. Don't forget Akaroa. I would not forget Akaroa. We had visited that village on each of our six trips to New Zealand. And from Akaroa, our friends Steve and Pam would always take time out from their busy schedules to drive us over the ridge line behind their sheep farm and down into Flea Bay. The indigenous Maori call this place Pohatu, which means place of stones. Our love affair with New Zealand began when our family hosted James Travers, an AFS exchange student from Blenheim. Chuck and I made our first journey down under in 1982 to witness this wedding celebration of James and his sweetheart, Barbara. And it was Barbara who had first escorted us to her aunt and uncle's sheep farm in Akaroa. It was on that visit to Ch- it was on that visit that Chuck declared Akaroa to be his favorite place in the world. When I'm here, he said, I feel like I'm home. After that first trip, Chuck broached the idea of moving to New Zealand, and though I considered it, I couldn't imagine living 9,000 miles from our family. Chuck was disappointed, but understood. He simply vowed we would return often, which we did five more times. And each time Chuck and I planned our next New Zealand itinerary, we penciled in Akaroa time. Akaroa and Flea Bay are on the Banks Peninsula, an egg-shaped protrusion into the Pacific Ocean on New Zealand's South Island, and the whole area seemed to be one of those liminal, thin places where life and not life mingle in ways no one understands. On each visit, Chuck would survey the cobalt-blue waters of the finger-shaped bay, the stony beach, and the decades-old sheep trails dug into the grassy slopes and say, I feel like I'm home. On our first visit to Flea Bay, Steve took Chuck to the rocky shore on the far side of the bay to hunt for little blue penguins. When Steve managed to find two penguins hidden among the rocks, Chuck, an avid birder, was ecstatic. On what turned out to be Chuck's last pilgrimage to New Zealand in 2002, our visit to Flea Bay was glorious but disappointing. When Steve led us on our usual search for little blue penguins, we couldn't find even one. Steve said their absence was one reason he and his brother were working with the Department of Conservation to create a marine reserve at Flea Bay. A little over a year after we returned home from that visit, Chuck suffered a debilitating stroke, and our lives hurtled into an unfamiliar world of hospitals, rehab, nursing homes, and ultimately a diagnosis of Lewy body dementia, from which he could not recover. He died in 2009. I knew I would one day spread his ashes in Akaroa, 
but it took three years before I was ready. During my solo trip to New Zealand, I was repeatedly shocked every time I realized I was there without Chuck. I began that visit at James's home in Wellington, then we drove to Akaroa, where Pam and Steve greeted us with hugs of welcome and words of condolence for Chuck. Sitting in their sunny yard that afternoon, I heard bellbirds warbling and native pigeons rustling in the evergreens, and my heart ached because he wasn't there to say, I feel like I'm home. The next morning dawned gray and drizzly. I heard a knock at my door and opened it to find Pam, who caroled, Happy Birthday! I hadn't planned on being in Akaroa for my 65th, but that seemed like an appropriate blessing. After a breakfast of tea and toast, Steve, Pam, James, and I made the drive to Flea Bay, 30 years after Chuck and I had first seen it. I sat in the back seat holding a Native American cedar box containing Chuck's ashes. We passed the Garden of Tane, and I remembered our walks through the native bush with Steve and Pam's children and our youngest son, Teddy, who is a father now himself. I saw every tree, road sign, and bend in the road through Chuck's eyes because he had loved this place, and the thought of being without him for the rest of my life was almost unbearable. Though my chest hurt from holding back my sobs, I didn't want to dampen the day for the others, so I stared at my hands and tried not to think about where we were headed. As Steve made the last sweeping turn and headed down toward the bay, Pam turned to me. That box has made a long journey to get here, hasn't it, Flory? Quite a pilgrimage. Her words loosened something within me and I began to weep. I wanted Chuck to be next to me, just as he had always been, not ashes in a box. The plan was for us to use an inflatable boat to go out into the bay, but a sheep had run away with the boat's bung, its plug, so we decided to use Steve and Pam's kayaks instead. I'd never been in a kayak, but it seemed appropriate to try something new on this day. We slipped on flotation vests and carried two yellow kayaks from a boat shed to the beach. Steve and Pam got situated in one kayak, and James and I got into the other. The water was calm and cold. We pulled away from the shore, and with strong strokes, Steve and James propelled the kayaks to the middle of the bay. Again, I let my tears flow, and this time they felt cleansing on my cheeks. We brought the kayaks side by side. I removed the lid from the cedar box, opened the bag, and released Chuck's ashes into the water which was somehow dappled with light, despite the clouds. As the ashes sank into the gray-green depths, I realized my tears had stopped. Back at Steve and Pam's house, I gave them the cedar box. In return, Steve gave me an abstract oil painting he'd done of Akaroa Harbor. The clouds, hills, and water are painted in shades of gold, mustard, pale blue, royal blue, brown, and ivory. The valley next to their farm was painted in the darkest shade of blue imaginable, almost black. Steve said that Maoris call this place Otoheke, which means place where the mist comes down. It is their sacred burial ground. There's been a lot of sadness here, he explained. The sorrows of the Maoris who were forced off the land, 
the hardships the settlers suffered while they toiled on these hills. Near the bottom of the canvas, Steve had allowed the paint to drip. The drips represent the tears that have been shed here. And mine are a part of that now, I thought. Leaving New Zealand is always a sorrow, as Chuck knew only too well. It is so far away, you never know when you'll be back. And if you do return, you don't know who will be left to greet you. In 2002, Chuck and James's mother, Gladys, promised they'd try to stick around for another visit, but neither was able to keep that promise. So at the Wellington Airport, when James and I shared a final hug, we both shed a few tears before he turned and walked quickly away. The morning was still dark when I boarded my flight to Sydney, but the moment the plane lifted off the tarmac, orange light from the rising sun burst through the cabin windows, momentarily blinding me, and I thought, you're home now, Chuck. A few weeks after I returned to America, Pam wrote to say that 300 pairs of nesting little blue penguins had just been counted among the rocks at Flea Bay in the new Pohatu Marine Reserve. Welcome home. Thank you, Flory.